So most people know or have heard of Greenwood, Oklahoma, a.k.a. Black Wall Street. But on this episode of Black Money Matters, I'm going to talk about Black Wall Street, but I'm also going to talk about the history's other black towns that you probably haven't heard of. Let's go. Okay, so welcome to the Black Money Matters podcast, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network, where we talk about all things black wealth. Who am I? My name is Marcus Warren, financial advisor, tax enrolled agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks. And today, I want to talk about a number of, I guess we can call them lost black towns, um, which you're probably haven't heard of. You probably not taught about them in, in, in your history classes, but uh, I, I do want to hit on a few of them. So, um, and I am going to talk about uh, Black Wall Street. I'll, I'll wrap it up with, with talking about uh, Greenwood um, and uh, the events and all that there. But um, first I want to start with, uh, let's uh, start in the great state of Florida. All right, so um, uh, so the first time we're going to talk about is what is called Fort Mose, uh, Florida, which uh, back in 1738, uh, by the way, it's located just north of uh, St. Augustine or Augustine, uh, whatever you want to call it, but... Um, uh, but basically, the, the reason I bring it up is because it's the first free black settlement. So during uh, the fight for control of the New World, a.k.a. America, um, you know, a lot of the European nations, Great Britain, things of that nature, Spain, they relied on African slave labor. Duh, right? Um, but the king of Spain had an idea. And so he basically said, hey, any male slave of the British colonies who wants who wants to uh, escape? If they go to the Spanish colony of Florida, then they'll be set free. Of course, there were a couple of contingents. You had to uh, pledge your allegiance to Spain and the Catholic Church. But that's what happened, and it became the first free black settlement. So, so there you go. Now, eventually, I guess in in 1763. So it was founded in 1738. In 1763. Uh, the settlement was abandoned because, of course, the British took possession of Florida uh, during that time. So there you go. But I just wanted to mention mention that because that was the first free black settlement. So um, let's uh, let's move on and we'll go from Florida and we'll go up to uh, New York. Okay, so I'll start with um, a place called Seneca Village, New York. And Seneca Village, by the way, it is, um, or I should say was, um, it was basically Manhattan's um, first community of, of really prominent black property owners. Um, half of them uh, there in Seneca Village own their own homes, 
Uh, and by the way, with property ownership came uh, other rights that weren't commonly held by blacks in the city, and that's basically the right to vote. And so of the 100 black New Yorkers eligible to vote, about 10% of them uh, lived in uh, Seneca, lived in Seneca Village. So um, the census uh, basically estimated that about 264 residents lived in uh, the village between uh, 1825 and 1857. And um, unfortunately, the community was basically uh, erased, so to speak, uh, with the development of Central Park. And basically what happened was the city, New York, they acquired that land through what's called eminent domain. And that's basically uh, a law that allows the government to take private land for public use. Um, and they do have to compensate the landowners, although, you know, they say that the landowners, were, they were compensated, but many argue that the land was, was undervalued. But um, where Central Park is now, I think through 82nd Street and 89th Street, I, I, I can't remember. I think it's 82nd and 89th. Um, it used to be Seneca Village where um, it was Manhattan's first prominent black community. So um, we'll, we'll keep it in New York and we'll move to what is now called, it's called Bed-Stuy. Uh, it's basically in Brooklyn, but it was Weeksville. And this was back in 1835. And this was the second largest community for free blacks prior to the Civil War. And so uh, the history of it, James Weeks, uh, he was a freed slave. He basically purchased a pretty significant amount of land from another freed slave. Um, I think his name was Henry, Henry Thompson. Um, but once uh, Weeks bought that property, he sold the property to new residents, uh, and they basically ended up naming the community after him. And it thrived for, for, for many years, and it really became home to a lot of the southern blacks who were uh, freeing slavery uh, and going up north. And uh, it also became a refuge for northern blacks who were trying to escape racial violence uh, and draft uh, riots that were happening in, in some other cities and New York. So, you know, a double shout out, shout out to, uh, uh, to New York, Seneca Village and uh, Weeksville. All right, moving right along. Let's get into um, uh, what is called Freedman's Village, and that is in uh, Virginia. And so um, basically in, in 1863... So in 1863, the federal government, they built Freedman's Village. And uh, there were about, really at its height, uh, it housed more than 1,100 residents. So um, there were about 50 uh, one-and-a-half-story houses. Uh, all of them were divided to accommodate a couple of families. Uh, the settlement, uh, it was home to uh, some notable residents. Uh, Sojourner Truth. Um, she lived there in 1864. She worked there as a teacher and helped other villagers find jobs. Um, and unfortunately, the government, uh, in 1900, they decided to close the town down. So why did they close the town down back in uh, 1900? Well, uh, they wanted to build stuff. Uh, they, uh, they closed it down due to more developments. They were trying to expand uh, a street. I think it was Mount Vernon Avenue. And then they were trying to build some sort of bridge over the Potomac. Um, however, the story that uh, ran in the paper, there was a, uh, I guess, the New York Herald, uh, a reporter basically said that the real reason was simply because the, well, there was a political element to it. Basically, there were too many vote cast by the quote unquote colored citizens um, that was 
influencing a lot of elections. So even back then, they were trying to gerrymander stuff. And so they basically pushed them out and shut the town down. All right. So, all right. Um, that was, uh, what was that? Freedman's Village, Virginia. All right. So let's get back to Florida. So um, uh, Florida, uh, before we get to uh, Greenwood, Florida um, had a town that was called Rosewood. Um, and it was established back in 1870. And it ended up uh, having a pretty uh, significance, which was uh, the significance that it had. It was, it, it was the home uh, at the time to one of the worst I guess we can call it a race riot uh, in U.S. history, but basically in 1915. So it was established in 1817. By 1915, uh, Rosewood was a prosperous, uh, predominantly black town. Uh, we had its own baseball team, um, Sonic Temple, uh, a few hundred residents. It was about 48 miles away from Gainesville, Florida, if you're familiar with the area. So what happened to Rosewood? Well, like I said, um, 1923, uh, I think it was on New Year's Day, a young uh, a white woman basically claimed that she was sexually assaulted uh, by a black man. Uh, and then a band of white men searching for the suspect came to Rosewood and they basically um, burned the place down. Uh, the number of those killed is uh, still unknown, uh, but so egregious were the stories of uh, the rape that happened, uh, the murder, the looting, the arson, uh, and of course the neglect by sheriff officials and the elected officials there, that Florida invested the claim uh, of what happened in Rosewood in 1993. And guess what? Let me tell you this. So it eventually led to a law that uh, eventually compensated the elder victims uh, about $150,000 each. So the old victims of Rosewood got paid. And um, uh, the law also created a scholarship fund, which provided $2.1 million for the survivors. So basically, Florida, of all places, improbable, uh, although it it wasn't uh, uh, called this, but basically Florida was one of the only states to create, we can call it a reparations program for the survivors of racialized violence. Wow. Pretty interesting. Florida. So there you go. All right. Oh, as a matter of fact, there was a movie, um, uh, 1997. It was called Rosewood. Uh, pretty good movie. I enjoyed it. John Singleton directed it. Uh, R.I.P. John Singleton. Uh, Ving Rhames, uh, Don uh, Cheadle, uh, they star in it. Uh, if you have a chance, I'd, I'd, I'd suggest checking out Rosewood, the movie. All right. Um, last but not least, I want to end on... Um, uh, Greenwood, of course, uh, the one that everyone knows and it's been in the news, uh, lately, at least the last uh, few weeks or so, um, is black wall street. So, um, we all should know the story, but if you don't, uh, in the early 1900s, um, uh, a lot of blacks settled in Oklahoma, uh, looking for employment and other opportunities, uh, cause they were oil rich Tulsa, um, in Oklahoma, a lot of oil there. And so Greenwood, which is part of Tulsa, uh, it became the home to a lot of thriving black businesses, uh, basically earned the name black wall street. Um, and so actually it was called, um, uh, Negro wall street, by the way, but, uh, you know, we got a political, politically correct moving forward. So we call it now a uh, black wall street. Um, but, um, Negro Wall Street, by the way, was a term 
uh, invented by a black person. So it wasn't like the white folks called it Negro Wall Street, by the way. Anyway, Black Wall Street, we'll, we'll use that. Um, but Greenwood and Greenwood Avenue it was lined with a lot of hotels, restaurants. Uh, they had taxi service, 200 businesses populated, um, about a 35-square block uh, district. There were uh, 23 churches, uh, a couple of newspapers, uh, a library. It served about 11,000 black residents. Um and really the district's most successful entrepreneurs, they reinvested back in the community. They built parks, uh, additional housing. But we all know what happened back in May of 1921. Uh, of course, there was racial unrest because a white woman accused a black man of rape. Uh, the man wasn't charged because it probably wasn't true. Um, but that did not stop a white mob from burning down Greenwood. Um, and really, according to the Red Cross, the attack on Greenwood, it destroyed about uh, a little over 1,200 houses, uh, 215 businesses and things of that nature were looted, uh, 9,000 uh, blacks were, were left homeless, all the district's businesses were gone. There's no accurate death toll, but estimates range from 100 to 300 people. Uh, that's pretty credible. Um, eyewitnesses say they saw unidentified black bodies stacked on the trucks, um, dumped into un, uh, unmarked graves. So um, uh, they basically, the residents claimed that there was about $1.8 million in damages. In today's dollars, that'd be a little over $25 million. <laughs> but the insurance companies and the city of Tulsa, they denied the claims, basically saying uh, that uh, it was a riot. So they denied it. However, what we don't hear about is the revival, the revival of Black Wall Street, because it pretty much almost began immediately. Um, houses were built up uh, fairly quickly uh, by the end of by the end of 1921. Uh, 800 more homes were built up. The businesses became came back, um, and uh, by uh, 1940, there were more than 240 businesses back in the area. Unfortunately. Um, what happened at the end was um, the district declined simply because of urban renewal, um, integration laws passed in the 1960s, which allowed blacks to spend their dollars elsewhere. And of course, uh, black people with means could choose to live in other parts of the city. And that's what happened. So there you go. A few black cities that you don't know about. And then, of course, Greenwood. The bottom line, what did all these thriving communities have in common? Ownership. And as we talk about here on the Black Money Matters podcast and the Wealth Empowerment Network, it all boils down to ownership. True wealth is about ownership. We're going to continue to do our part and talk about ways to build wealth and equity because that's what it's all about. Anyway, I'll talk to you all soon. And if you have any questions, you can always email me at wealthempowernetwork.com. Until next time. 